Hello and welcome back to another episode of First Generation Bowhunter. This is episode 61. If you're just joining the podcast and you're a first generation bowhunter, you're in the right place. This is a podcast where you can just learn bow hunting. If you're just getting new into it, there's a lot to take in. So hope you're enjoying the podcast. Dial back, check out the other episodes. And yeah, I'm glad you're here. I'm hoping. Let me know also how you found the podcast. It seems like lately a lot of people have been finding it on Apple just by kind of typing in, you know, certain bow hunting terms and things. And uh, I'm super stoked to welcome you to the community. Also on Apple Podcasts, been getting some reviews. And I just want to give a shout out to John, uh, City187, and also Romikilo. <laughs> Romikilo. Cool reviews. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. It's it's cool to see what you're taking away. And I, I just am humbled and, and hope that I can continue to create good content for, for you. So keep those questions coming. A lot of episode inspiration does come from questions. So um, yeah, this, this episode actually is coming from a listener named John. He was asking about... Uh, you know, predator hunting, coyote hunting with a bow and want to give a, a few thoughts on that of how to get started there. And yeah, I mean, this, this came from a question from a listener. So props to you, John. Thanks for, for jumping in. You can send me questions at Adam underscore Buchanan on Instagram. I answer all my own Instagram DMs. <laughs> So yeah, jump in on there. Also check out the website huntworks.com. It's the new website that just launched. And so that's where the podcast and all the blogs kind of sit and are, are housed. Also, that's the place where to get your awesome t-shirt. So if you want a first generation, first generation bow hunter t-shirt, jump in over there and, and check it out. And I've got a code for you. If you want to get $10 off, just use code FGB10 and I'll get $10 off a first generation Bowhunter t-shirt. So yeah, give you a little hookup there. Well, appreciate the support. It's it just, again, thank you so much. This is episode 61 and for all the encouraging messages and also the entries for the giveaway that we're doing until Friday uh, March 17th, giving away four Outdoor Edge Field Skin Knives. This is a knife that I've been using uh, this last season and I've really enjoyed it. And really just a good sturdy knife. It's sharp as heck. I really enjoy this knife. And it comes with a little sheath holder. So if you want to enter, there's an Instagram post you need to find. It's got the knives in the photo. Just comment there, tag two fellow friends and go to huntworks.com and when the pop-up appears to sign up for the email just sign up for the email you'll be entered to win i've had quite a few entries this last week so that's that's pretty cool also got another little thing for you this is a little tricky because it's um, maybe more for people in the local area in utah but i'm selling my quiet cat e-bike it's a 750 engine mid-drive Really fun e-bike. I really enjoyed it, and just yeah, it's been it's been a great bike. Um, I go in another direction, and so I am selling it. 
So I was asking $2,500 for it. And to any listener, if you're listening and you're in the area, if you're in Utah, hit me up. I'll drop it down to $2,000. I would like to to uh, sell it and it's starting to get warm and so it's a fun time to get out there so two thousand bucks to a listener let me know if you're interested and i'll hook you up so and if you're local in utah check out ksl if you type in quiet cat you should be able to find it there's not that many listed so yeah fun stuff going on also as a side note i debated on sharing this and i'm just going to share it because i'm I am who I am. <laughs> um, I had some bad news come in this morning. I was laid off from my job and my day job. Um, you, I mean, yeah, I don't do first generation bow hunter full time. I wish I would. I, I absolutely love making these episodes and all that it entails. But I, I know this is going to be a bit of a longer journey um, to, to grow. But no, my, my day job, I, I do digital marketing, and I was I was. Um, laid off this morning. It's it not like a surprise. I mean, I kind of felt some things for a bit there, um, but definitely a bummer, uh, it's, especially when you're a provider and you're trying to provide for your family and it's hard. Uh, so it's been an interesting day, but I, I really do appreciate my network coming out for me. I, I've had so many people come out and offer advice and empathy. And so I just really, really cool. Um, I even have a few interviews lined up this week just after like a few hours of, of applying and getting, getting my resumes out there. Um, but yeah, that happened this morning and my wife is so supportive. She is just awesome. She's like, you'll be fine. Everything will be good. We'll get through it. But this afternoon, I mean, I was heads down all morning. Like I couldn't even think. I was just like heads down, doing resumes, doing applying and this afternoon, I was hungry. I was like, ah, oh, shoot, I got to eat lunch. It was kind of a late lunch. And I pulled some uh, backstrap from last season out of the freezer. And I just opened that freezer and to see all this meat stacked up in there. And I just was like, thankful. I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, like that meat came from bow hunting. All, well, not all bow hunting. The elk came from a rifle hunt, but it came from hunting. And I just had this overwhelming sense of gratitude. And I remember just thawing it out and, you know, cooking it. And when I cook venison, it's really funny because my wife will give me a hard time. She's like, oh, that's so gamey. Can I have some? <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I really like to share. And so I, by the way, if you're kind of curious on like a simple recipe for venison, I honestly learned this from Camp Chef. I did a, a little live show many years ago with them, and they had some venison. And he's like, honestly, man, it's salt, pepper, little olive oil, and then at the end, you uh, sear it with butter. And honestly, I've been doing that for years, and it is delicious. It is so, so good. But uh, yeah, I was, you know, got to share it with my family. But it just hit me, though, that I was like, you know what? I am going to be okay, and I am self-reliant, and I know how to put myself out there and work hard and, and be able to get work soon. So, um, yeah, I, anyway, so that was kind of a personal note. wasn't sure if I should share that or not, but just like, ah, oh, whatever. <laughs> I'm human. I'm human. Okay. 
All right, now that we've uh, settled that I am human, um, let's jump in. Episode 61, this is talking about predators, and hunting predators with a bow can be really challenging because you really have to get into close range. I would say in rifle, most of the shots you're going to take, you could take out to 100 you know, yards or more. Uh, depending on what kind of rifle and scope you're running, but you really got to get in a lot closer, and that's that's tricky with predator because everything is more heightened. So even their eyesight, their sense of smell, you you have to understand that if a coyote can smell something from like a mile away or however far, and they are able to you know go after that rabbit that's injured they're going to smell you. So, you know, there, there's some challenges, but it also can be really, really rewarding. So I want to start off with the why, like why do predator, predator control, and then talk about some forming kind of categories around area selection, camo, broadheads, and calling and decoy selection. These are um, by no means comprehensive, but just kind of some bigger pieces that I've picked up over the years. Um, and before I dive in, I do want to let you know, I have not killed a predator, uh, with my bow. Um, so I, I haven't, I, I have been set up for it. I have tried coyote hunting with a bow, but it, you know, no, nothing came in, but I'll share with you what I've tried and, and the research that I've done and also just the experience of how I was set up and, and what happened there. I have, uh, been, you know, plenty of times turkey hunting and not that it's the same per se, but I will say turkeys do have pretty heightened sense of, of senses and it's also a bit of a smaller target, you know, so making sure you're dialed in there on, on all your tuning and practice is going to be really important, but let's just step back and talk about the why, you know, there's, there's a lot of benefits of controlling predators. You know, if you've ever been hiking on a, a trail or out in the outdoors and you stumble upon a deer carcass and you look and you're like oh okay that was that was a predator and you can tell the difference between a predator kill uh, versus maybe another hunter that left you know the bones or the gut piled so I whenever I stumble across something like that I just think like ah shoot you know I not angry per se but just kind of like all right that that's a thing that's real that's a reality and so it's it's important to address and so it, it can be fun it can be challenging but there there is a purpose for it also it is a longer season you, you know depending on your area it's going to be pretty wide open uh, for predators it's something that generally can be almost all year long you know so keep an eye out for what regulations uh, are in your area and that's kind of cool because I know right now for me, I mean, it's mid-March and I've been thinking about hunting season for months, you know, ever since it ended, I'm just like, oh, when is it, you know, when's it coming back? So it's kind of cool that you could go out and, and, uh, still hunt, you know, and, and do some predator control. I have tried hunting rabbits with a bow that was that was hard. It's funny because I have run into rabbits before, and it's always at that time where you're like, "Shoot, I don't have my bow with me," or "I'm on a rifle hunt and I can't be blowing up rabbits 
you know, 10 feet in front of me when I'm after elk or something. But yeah, let's, uh, let's dig into this, kind of talk about some, some things to think about and set yourself up for success as you might possibly have the opportunity to go predator hunting. So, all right, let's, uh, let's kick off. The first category is area selection. So with their eyesight being really, really strong, especially coyotes, you really got to think about your backdrop and what you're around. If you're on a ridge and you're skylined, you're going to silhouette against the backdrop of the sky. It, you know, some people call it backdrop or sorry, silhouetting um, or skylining. So you don't want to do that because they can see that from really, really far away. And, and think about it from your sense too. If you're looking way out there and you see a ridge and you spot like just a little tree <laughs> or if you have spotted deer or animals on top of a ridge line, they are really, I mean, it is black and white. It's so easy to see even with the naked eye. So they can definitely see you from that. So make sure you're not on top of a ridge. It is good to be kind of, you can be in an open area. I have been in an open area where there's not a lot of cover but I've blended in really well with the background. So that kind of goes into camo, but you can be blending in, but it's really truly gotta be head to toe. They have really good eyesight for movement as well. And there was a time where I had a coyote come in at a hundred yards. Now that particular time, I probably would have taken a shot. I was deer hunting, but it, just wasn't coming in any, any closer. And I think probably what was happening was I was definitely getting winded. And so when you're looking at area selection, think about also open meadows. You've got to think like a predator of what's an easy kill for them. It's not going to be like heavily wooded. And also if you're doing a call, you want that sound to get out there as much as possible. So you probably don't want to be all huddled into a tight wooded area you want that sound if you're looking, doing an electronic call or a manual call, you want that sound getting out there to draw them in. So area selection is, you know, pretty important. I, I think you also want to think about other times that you've been hunting in that area, looking for sign, looking, maybe you've had, you know, an instance where you have seen them, you know, so you already know like, oh, I was on another hunt, but I have seen them pass through here. Or even looking at, you know, deer that have been killed by a predator. That's, you know, great information. I mean, that's something that you can pop on the onyx and save it for later. Maybe give it a really specific color, like some purple or some random color you really don't use. Then when you go out predator hunting, you can be like, oh yeah, I've seen sign before. So predator hunting, when you're choosing area, might take a lot more time, but you can also use other hunts to contribute to that time. So that's one way to think about that. You can be in a wooded area. You just don't want to set up the call to be in that wooded area. You want that call to be out in the open. So that kind of openness is, is pretty important. So that's kind of the, you know, it's pretty similar, I'd say, to deer hunting, but you're you're going to be sitting, you're going to be waiting for them to come in. Me, I tend to be more active in my hunting. I like to stop every once in a while, but I don't sit very well or very often. I think I would if I had more water to sit on, but a lot of the majority of where I'm at, 
I'm actually not on water a whole lot. So, so watch out for just a few of those gotchas and, and just really think like, am I blending in? Am I in a good place? Area selection's also tricky because you might have a really killer setup. Everything's, you know, textbook of what you want it to be, but the wind is really messing with you. Wind is so, so critical. That scent is, is everything. That's where I would break out like the ozone generator, you know, the little HME ozone generator. Um, they're USB chargeable. So it's kind of cool. They're rechargeable that way. And they're pretty small, like size of your hand, little palm of your hand. And you just hit a button. And I've hunted with those before. And uh, I'm not saying I got into range because of the ozone generator, but it can't, can't hurt, you know, to have anything in scent control, I think is a really good investment. And you don't have to go bonkers. I mean, that little ozone generator I'm talking about, I think it was $19. So not absurd, but definitely probably worth bringing around, especially for predator. Deer, maybe you can move around a little bit more. Maybe you can play the wind. With predator, you really can't. You're, I mean, they are so sensitive to movement. So you got to watch for that. Uh, let's, let's get into camo a little bit. I, I'd say the main thing is... If you're gonna do face paint for any hunt, this would be the hunt to do it. You wanna blend in as much as possible. And, you know, movement's really key. So it's tricky. I mean, you think about the movement you make to pull a bow back is gonna be way more, <laughs> a lot more movement than just a rifle. Lots of movement, a lot to be aware of. So gloves. I, I tend to leave my gloves at home. I, I'm not a big gloves guy. Well, at least in my pack. Really, it's just more for if things get um, cold, I'll kind of have gloves. But, you know, head to toe, you know, as much as you can cover. Uh, the neck face mask, that's, that's a good one, too. I've seen a lot of those. And you can get those in different weights, too. I've got one that's totally mesh. So for warmer weather, it's, it's not going to overheat you. So that's kind of cool. That's it on camo. I, I don't know if there's much. You just have to be aware of the area and just making sure you're truly blending in. And that's also a time where you see guys that are way hardcore. Everything matches. Like my Apple Watch band matches my Kuyu camouflage. <laughs> um, that is probably where you can be a little more OCD because of the blend-in factor. Deer, I mean... I hunted with completely solid pants a few times last year and got into deer just fine. I have a theory, and I've shared this before, that I think like waist down, depending on what you're in, like I'm in a lot of chest high scrub oak. When I'm kind of moving around, I don't think they even see my pants. So I could wear like MC Hammer pants. Maybe I'll think about that. Camo MC Hammer pants. Maybe, just an idea, since I don't have a job right now, I could invent camouflage MC Hammer pants. Let me know what you think. Maybe I won't have to ever work again. Huh. All right. Let's go into broadheads. Uh, third category, broadheads. I don't think you really need to change up your broadhead situation. I would probably go with a fixed with replaceable blades. It is 
going to be a little bit harder to retrieve some of those arrows in intact. So for me, like where I've seen coyotes before and where I've had those opportunities and would probably set up a hunt, it's a super rocky area. And I'm not going to get that broadhead back. I, I think it's going to be like a one use type thing. But that's why I like the replaceable blades because it's usually the blade that explodes, not the core of the broadhead. And so I generally do like the G5 Striker V2, which is the three blade, or the four blade Striker X by G5. I have just been loving these things. I started up with those about two years ago. Now, on top of that, what broadheads you're using, make sure you really know where your arrow's going and what it's doing. So, you know, that, that goes back to it as well, is for your setup, what makes sense with your spine, your weight, all the other factors, what you're pulling back, draw length, and that will help you find a broadhead too. Now, it's hard because you might be thinking, well, shoot, I'm going to have to go buy five sets of broadheads. It's like 400 bucks. <laughs> I swear, broadheads are so expensive these days. Um, no, it's not 400 for that many it'd be less but you know it, it takes time to like test out different broadheads and like what you want to do you can't just go try them all at one sitting you know it's a that's a big plunk down of cash so it's just a journey right like i think you could do mechanical i don't think that's a problem if that's what's really getting you that strong accuracy because your mass is so much smaller your margin of error is way smaller on a coyote than maybe a deer uh, I will say, though, from what I have researched and have seen, when a coyote is hit, I mean, their, their destruction of area is a lot bigger. So it's a smaller target, yes, but there's not a whole lot protecting them in a way. So whatever you do hit can really tear up a coyote uh, with a broadhead. So, and I say coyote. I don't say coyote, but we probably should have talked about that in the beginning. You're probably like losing your mind. Like he's saying it wrong. I grew up in Northern New Mexico and that's just what we call them, call them coyotes. So I apologize for growing up in New Mexico. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So broadheads, uh, yeah, for me, like if I'm shooting with a lot of rock backdrops and I know that broadhead is going to get incredibly mangled because the pass-through isn't going to be that big of a deal so you could even drop down to maybe a hundred grain broadhead i mean it, there's there's not a whole lot to uh, a predator i'd say so yeah like and that's kind of cool too if you think about it but like let's say you've tried out different broadheads like for me in my little pack of archery tools I've probably got five broadheads in there that are 100 grain. And over time, I've moved on to 125 for bigger game. But I still got those 100 grains in there. So that's kind of cool because then, hey, I'm going predator hunting. I'm going to use those broadheads that I wouldn't use for an elk or a deer. And sweet, you know, even turkey. Like, I'll use 100 grains. The main thing you want to think about there, though, too, is the big caveat is make sure you retune your sight for the difference of the 25 grains in the broadhead. So that, that's a factor as well. Making sure you're putting time against that. Put, put a lot of time 
into your practice uh, for predator because your your margin of error really is pretty small. It's there they are small targets, and it's it's tricky to get them to come in close. And that's what I experienced on on the few that I've been on and and have seen them come in. Oh man, they they are sharp, sharp. Coyotes are sharp, hard to trick. All right, let's move on to calling and decoys. If you can, and you you know is not regulated or is not prohibited, electronic calling is the best. If you really want to get into it, that's the way to go. The nice thing there is you can run it a lot longer, and you're not doing it with your mouth, and it's very very consistent. I have tried like turkey calling, and I'll notice there's kind of a drop in my turkey call towards the end of the hunt where I'm trying to keep that consistency sound and that flow. And the cool thing about electronic is it's like you just hit it, you know. And it's cool because there's all sorts of different things you can try on an electronic call. Good heavens. Like the 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 Primos makes quite a few, and you've got so many different animals that they're mimicking. So... Lots of options there if you can go the electronic. I will say the mouth call is is kind of rewarding, you know, where you can pick up another skill. I do like that because even though you can do electronic, it is cool to have that in your back pocket. And hey, you know, the electronic for some reason, maybe the batteries are dead or maybe it just can't function that day or who knows. So it is good to know the manual way, you know, doing it with like a mouth call. And, and other ways that are non-electronic. So, and then for a decoy, I had, I remember a long time ago, went predator hunting. This is like with rifle. And we just had the one where it flipped the, the tail back and forth. It was like a long kind of stick, like a plastic stick, and it had a tail on the back. And it kind of looked like a, a rabbit was struggling, you know, kicking around. And... That, I know, is a pretty popular one. It didn't bring anything for us that day, and but, you know, who knows if we were in the right spot. Come to think about it, man, I'm thinking back to that. That was, I mean, that was a total whim. I got invited to go out on that with my brother-in-law. I'm trying to think. I, You know what's crazy? I think we were sitting on a ridge. Oh, my gosh. Yep, we didn't have a backdrop. Oh my gosh, that's probably why nothing came in. Snap. That is funny. That is so funny. Well, and I was super young. He was pretty new at it as well. I mean, we really didn't know what we were doing. And uh, oh my gosh, boy, if I would have known more about area selection, then we would have made that mistake. That was years ago, man. That was like 10 plus years ago. Oh my gosh. Flashback. Memory lane. So that's kind of the main categories to keep in mind of, of these setups. It is going to take a lot more patience uh, due to the scent, due to the eyesight of predators. And, and also another thing too, if you're a little bit more of a hunter that goes out alone, this might be a time to bring somebody because if you're attracting these predators and for say something happens or they get aggressive or they're getting close to you um, 
or if you call in a predator that you weren't expecting to call in, like a cougar. We actually have quite a bit of cougar and mountain lion sightings here in Utah. Uh, we were riding our mountain bikes up. It's behind the Salt Lake Capitol. It's up this place called City Creek, and it's a City Creek Trail, and it's a paved like asphalt. We were just doing some conditioning with my kids on the bike team, and we're coming around a corner, and all these people are freaked out. They're like, don't go up there, don't go up there. A cougar just walked across the trail and I was like holy smokes so we we you hear a lot of cougar sightings yeah there's there's a ton here in Utah so that's another thing to keep in mind maybe want to be thoughtful of that and and bring someone with you that's also nice too because you can really cover a lot more ground so maybe you're in two separate draws and you have walkie-talkies and you can kind of cover more that could be sweet as well or just different angles like really Try to slice and dice this thing all the ways that you can so you can set yourself up for some success. So, and that goes for other hunts too, you know. If, but I would say for predator is even more important because they do come in from really far away and you're trying to draw them in, you don't know where they're necessarily coming in from. And that's what's crazy about coyotes. I mean, they are so just unpredictable. And it's funny when you see them, they, uh, I mean, it's just the most odd times, you know, like I was driving around the other day, went out with buddy Josh. He's a listener, local guy, went out and shot and we're just driving along the road and there's a Fox just chilling there. And there's probably deer hundred or 200 yards away from the Fox. That was interesting. And then I was just driving through town the other day on a, on a, by a golf course and I look out, and the golf course is just pure white, you know, fresh blanket of snow. And I look out, and there's just something out there. And I was like, what is that? And I always have my binoculars in my truck with me, which is, I don't know, kind of funny. That, but, it's uh, yeah, I, you got to have the binoculars, always, always, always. And, uh, yeah, I look out. There's a coyote just chilling there. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, that's wild. Super nuts, so. Really cool, though. I, I think there's a lot of purpose behind predator control, and that, that's something I think you should absolutely explore and kind of supplement some of those maybe hunting seasons that don't go for very long. You know, it's kind of cool to keep the stoke alive and keep you out there and just more interactions. I think the more interactions you can have out there and just engaging with game, and it gives you an opportunity to kind of scout and spot certain areas, too, for the deer, for the elk, and really opens up a lot of cool opportunities. So, well, that's what I've got for you. Really pumped. And what's crazy, this is so cool. Um, you've got uh, this recommendation that came in from John for this episode. And then I, I messaged him. I was like, hey, I'm recording this right now. You know, I'll, I'll send it to you when it's live. And he's like, hey, by the way, I went out and bagged my first two coyotes. So, Pretty cool. Big shout out to John. That is, man, I love hearing success. Like your success is so pretty. It's just so awesome. Like I am just floating, you know, it's pretty cool. So thanks for keep sharing your stories. Hashtag first generation bow hunter is where you can tag your content on Instagram. I love seeing it. Hop over to huntworks.com. Check out what I've got going on there. You can get a t-shirt. I actually did put up my neon sign for sale so I can have those made. 
and they're a little spendy, but if you're really trying to spruce up the, the man cave there, I've got you. That's that's a fun one. And I also have a brand new Badlands tent uh, for sale there. It's a um, pretty cool tent, actually. So that is up on huntworks.com for sale. I'm going to be adding more products of stuff that I love. And I have been getting a few questions on the Cabela's bow, the NV32 uh, by Blackout. Pretty cool. I'm, I'm stoked to keep chipping away at that. And it's, um, yeah, I've got to go outfit that thing, get some cool accessories on it, and I'll be setting that thing up, start sending arrows down range, and some more videos to come. So pretty pumped. More to come with Cabela's. I'm stoked about that relationship and kind of cool that they are supporting first-generation bow hunter. So thanks for listening. Please consider subscribing and drop over to Apple Podcasts. If you haven't already, drop a review. I sure appreciate that. Three came in the other day, and I just couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, my gosh, that is so cool. So thank you for taking the time and, and doing that. It, it means the world. All right, that's it for me. We'll see you on the next episode.